Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be talking with TBI survivor Lynn Julian about treatment, recovery, and resiliency. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm also editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to connect with my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Lynn Julian, and she self-proclaims wears more hats than a hydra has heads. She is an author and speaker. She has been published in six books and hundreds of articles. She's a Boston actress, pop superhero, SEO consultant, and most relevant to today's discussion, the Boston Marathon bombing survivor. So I am so excited to have you here, Lynn. We have followed each other for years, and so I'm excited to finally get to chat with you. <laughs> so welcome. Well, the feeling is 100% mutual. Thank you. I'm a big fan of your work as well. Yeah, yeah. So I know you're you're probably one of the first people I connected with. I know you're one of the original members of my TBI tribe. Oh, so, and you're, well, what yeah, I didn't realize and that. you are true. in have... my, you are published in my anthology, which is surviving brain injury. And um, yeah, probably. I'm excited to chat with you here today. So Lynn, why don't we just start with some of your background, you've had multiple brain injuries. Um, so why don't we just kind of start there and share your story with us? I my, definitely had, a, a, I think, what is a very relatable, all-too-common journey of having brain injury and not getting diagnosed and having a year or more of frustration trying to find the right path and the right doctor and then realizing perhaps a bit too late that those first two weeks after a brain injury or concussion are vital to your healing, up to the first two months, you could have been following a brain injury protocol. So like with so many illnesses, 
time is of the essence that when you figure out you had a concussion or think you might have had a concussion, that it would benefit you to follow a brain injury protocol for at least a couple of weeks. Right, right. So, um, Lynn, so share with us how you have received your CBIs. The first one that uh, learning as much as I have about brain injury and concussion, I think I may have had prior ones. And I think that's something that dawns on people after they have one. They wonder, geez, how many did I have? How many at least concussions Uh might I have had before I figured out what they were? My first one that uh, was documented was 2006. I was a professional musician performing as a pop superhero. I appeared at the first New York Comic Con and won awards there. And I was in Rolling Stones the year before I was on a roll. And I had a stage accident, a fluke, slipped on an untaped cord, could have happened to anybody, which is just another reminder to be grateful and be present that every day is a gift and you just have no idea how everything can change in a day. And I went to my gig as usual that night, slipped on an untaped cord, lost consciousness for a minute on the stage, woke up to what I now know are very common symptoms, which I want to list a few just to help listeners. I woke up and heard more people in the room. It sounded like hundreds and it was really one voice. I thought there were many, many lights all around the room, but it was really the ring of can lights over the stage. Uh, The echoing voices, the repeated uh, blurred lights, it sounded as if I was underwater. Everything was kind of muffled and I was extremely nauseous. Uh, There can be nausea and even vomiting and uh, severe headaches, sensitivity to lights and sound. Everything sounds louder and looks brighter than it is. I was raised, uh, I was performing on stage since I was five years old. Number one motto, show must go on. So I continue to work and finish the set. And that is another thing your listeners should know. Don't do that. If you think you might have experienced a concussion at work or at home in sports, you must tell somebody immediately. And just even get checked out on the sidelines just to make sure because it has now been explained to me that I could have done more damage by continuing to jump around and perform. And I don't even know if I could call what I was doing performing. It was the worst show of my life. I sang all the wrong words. I played all the wrong chords. I angrily barked at my bandmates that they were playing the wrong chords when it was me and they knew my personality was changed. I was irritable and angry. I was tearful, all signs of concussion. <laughs> but and many yeah. problems. All signs of concussion. But they thought I had been drinking, which would have been the first time. So that again, change in behavior. They just because I was performing in a costume as a pop superhero They just thought it was part of the show, and no one helped me. Only after we were done with the set, my manager partner came up and said, what the hell are you doing drinking before a show? Because you can often seem drunken when you're concussed. 
Yeah. I haven't been drinking. I don't know what you're talking about. And that's when he took me to the ER and realized something was very, very wrong. The ER, I think, is under-equipped, or at least it was in 2006, under-educated about TBI and concussion. They took an X-ray of my bruised back and said, no, you're fine. My upper back had uh, hit the guitar pedal, and that's why my back was raised. It allowed my head to bounce off the stage. When your head is allowed to bounce, even a few inches, your brain is like a jello mold. It's very soft, and it's bouncing back and forth in your skull, the front of your skull with the frontal lobe and the back, and you're getting sort of bruised in your brain, and people don't realize that's whiplash. When you're in a car and you're forced to stop short and your head rocks back and forth really quick, your brain is being shook by a jello mold. There's a great video you can look on the Internet of a a researcher that has recreated this and they split the brain, the skull in half to show the brain rocking. And it's like a five second video and it's perfectly illustrating what's happening inside your head and why you feel the way you do. The ER sent me home, Mm -hmm. said you don't have any breaks. You're very lucky. Give it four to six weeks. You'll feel like a truck hit you because of they're worried about my upper back or my neck. They're, They're never even mentioned concussion, brain injury, or the protocol I should be following. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I mean, even now, you know, I mean, even now, you're talking 2006, which isn't that long ago, but even now, someone with that similar accident could potentially be sent home. Um, you know, you said you lost consciousness, and mm-hmm. that should be a red flag to physicians. Like, mm-hmm. loss of consciousness, automatic concussion like no question um but you know it's like it's so it's so missed and like downplayed I guess for lack of better word um it's just not taken seriously enough in the ERs and it is changing some some are better than others um you know depending where you live but you know that's why this is so important to talk about this and, and this you know, was a major Boston hospital. This was not a remote, small, you know, they, I feel like they should have and could be much more educated. Mm-hmm, it's a major mm-hmm. city hospital where they would have people all the time coming in with concussions. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, Lynn, uh, tell, us, tell us about your experience with the Boston Marathon as well. Uh, The recovery was long from the stage accident. I was in and out of a wheelchair for a few years with the the effects of the brain injury affecting the whole body and the way the brain communicates with your limbs and muscles. And again, uh, misdiagnosed by doctors. I just got a diagnosis last month. Last month, and that's almost whatever, 15, 14 years later, a functional neurological disorder, FND, and I am now in physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, all for functional neurological disorder, and FND simply means that your brain is miscommunicating with your limbs. So anyway, I was in and out of the wheelchair for a few years, then I started to walk with a cane for a couple of years, 2012. I was walking without the cane. I transferred to being an actress because I was not able to write the music and perform anymore the way that I wanted to and I used to. 
I had done maybe 12 local short films in 2000, the summer of 2012, and by April 2013, the Boston Marathon attack happened. That is uh, around the corner from me. So that's my neighborhood. I was at the finish line about 30 feet from the first explosion with my little service dog. And I should mention that brain injury uh, is a funny injury in that it's not the same every day. There are days where I can't walk right, I can't talk right, I'm word searching, I can't focus and stay in the conversation. There are good days and bad days uh, affected by something as little as being too hot or being too stressed out. So it's really uh, a brain injury to me is really a whole body injury because your brain is connected to your whole body and something as common as stress can set it off. Um, so I was there with my service dog because there was going to be 100,000 people on that one block and the thought of that frightened me. So I took him and he was the reason that I was able to get up after the first explosion. I was the first one up because he was scratching my face and he could smell sulfur and, and understand danger in a way that everyone around me was froze, including me. And his scratching my face snapped me out of it and I straight jacketed him and pressed him as hard as I could against my chest because he was trying to run away to safety. And that left me no use of my arms as I tried to escape into a bar be near us behind us, I uh, couldn't get people to move. They were frozen in the doorway. They were, you know, fight or freeze. Yeah, shell and, shock, yeah. Yeah, and when you finally got people to move, it was such a narrow pathway. Uh, there was only single file room next to the bar seats, and there were bar seats on both sides of you. Everybody panicked once you got inside. They, I only figured out later, didn't realize a bomb had gone off heard a loud boom from the inside and thought it was a celebratory cannon. And that's what was explained to me in therapy that nobody moved because they didn't understand what was going on. But they all started shoving in from both sides of me once I was inside and I couldn't defend myself. I just got pushed left, right, left, right by people giving me even more concussion. Uh, to, uh, that's another point we should point out to the listeners that once you have a brain injury, you are more susceptible to further brain injuries, and the time that you are most vulnerable is that first two months. You really have to protect yourself two months after a concussion even from further concussion. And I just went and had a major, what they call a blast force trauma. So blast force trauma comes from explosions, fireworks, gunshots. And mm -hmm. hopefully no one has to deal with those, but it's possible outside of the military to have a concussion where something doesn't hit you in the head directly and you don't fall and hit your head directly. It's a blast force coming off of an explosion. I didn't realize at the time that I just had that and then went into the bar and got shook all around with more of what would be whiplash after I just had a blast force trauma. I also have yeah, to have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, so that uh, my shoulder is partially dislocated on both sides. 
Right. So, so I'm just going to back up. That makes all your joints loose. Um, I'm just yeah. going to back up a little. And you mentioned, you know, the first two months are the most vulnerable. And I'm just add to that because that's kind of a misnomer. Um, okay. It's actually until your symptoms resolve. So if you're right. still having any symptoms, that could be three years later, um, you're, yeah. you're much more vulnerable. Like the slightest, you know, like you could trip and not even fall, right? But just that jarring motion um, can Absolutely. be enough to right. re-agitate those least, symptoms. At least the first two months. Yeah. Is more yeah. correct, more accurate. Yeah. And I, I just kind of wanted to point that out because I know with athletes in particular, um, they're trying to get back on the field as quickly as they can. And that second impact syndrome is a very real thing. And as long as you're still having symptoms, you really should not be going back into playing that sport. So um, great I, I point. felt that was important. Yeah. To bring that back up. There's, um, and there's so great, much pressure. So, to go back totally and there's pressure to get back to work you know from the outside plus from yourself you want to get back to work you know and it is it's Mm -hmm. such a complicated formula and there's really no exact answer right as to how to integrate back into the real world again um and I think that's what's so frustrating Seven years later, I was talking about FND, functional neurological disorder. So I'm still having symptoms seven years after the blast yeah. that are recognizable to uh, I had to find a function. Here's another lesson, a functional neurologist. I had been seeing yeah. regular neurologists, and they told me at about a year and a half after the injury, you need to learn to live with it. Everybody hates that phrase. Uh-huh. And there's nothing more nothing we can do. do. <laughs> and the worst one of all, you won't get any better. You can't expect any improvement after a year and a half. Don't believe oh, them. That's do such not BS. <laughs> and so it just, I refuse. You have to be your own advocate. Do not believe that you will not get better after a year and a half. So yeah. I was so, I guess I should thank that doctor because he put fire under my butt that I was determined to prove him wrong. And I volunteered for a clinical trial, which gives you access to treatments you might not normally have access to under your insurance at your hospital. And this one was hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And HBOT, for short, really Mm -hmm. allowed me to do this interview. It allowed me to talk at a normal pace and walk at a normal pace. I did 50 sessions. And if I was very sick the first two weeks. You get a little worse before you get better, but it was totally worth it. Uh, it was worth every dollar. I can't recommend it enough. It heals tissue. Oxygen mm-hmm. heals tissue. But in hospitals, they will only use it for external tissue, uh, limb loss, burn victims. But it heals all tissue. So brain injury, brain is tissue. So it would make mm-hmm. sense that it heals it. And uh, so I went back to the doctor afterwards and just made him have one more visit with me to see the improvement. And within a year, uh, the local hospital that they were associated with had an HBOT brain injury study going under Joe Namath as some kind yeah. of a celebrity sponsor. Or his yeah, foundation, and- I would guess, more likely. 
Um, so that yeah, was, I, I remember really, when you know, feeling like change is happening. Yeah, change I remember when you did the HBOT training or um, training therapy. Um, <laughs> you you went to New Orleans, I believe, right? Um, yeah. So it's a and you said you did fifty. You did mm-hmm, fifty five zero. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, you did fifty sessions. And, you know, you were talking how most doctors will only use it for external. Um, and that's because it's the only thing FDA has approved it for. So insurance Absolutely. won't cover it for brain injury, which is, you know, again, this healthcare paradigm needs to shift. Um, but HBOT. And you, you don't know, know what I mean, to invest just, your money in. You know, there's so many things I not know. insurance you don't want to be taken. So I just want to let readers know that this has worked for a lot of people for not just uh, other symptoms of brain injury, but for the anxiety, PTSD aspect of it as well, is specifically effective for that. Yeah, and, and you uh, met my friend Paul when you were in New Orleans doing your HBOT, yes! and he he had done HBOT, oh, I don't remember how many, probably 10 years ago now, um, and he's mm-hmm. done probably, I think he's done 80 hours of dives over, you know, the course mm-hmm. of a few years, um, but you talked about how you can do this interview now, and I remember for him, it was really profound. He got his speech back. He had a lot of difficulty right. talking and formulating the words, and he had a stutter, Um so, you know, I've witnessed mm-hmm. really profound things with HBOT. And I also want to talk and a little about, came- you said you found functional neurology. Um, and, you know, as you know, that's, that's what gave me my life back. Um, I was two and a half years out when I found functional neurology. And so, you know, going back to the doctor had told me, the neurologist at one year, well, this is the best you're going to get. And I was like, not acceptable. Right. Um, you know, and the further out you are, the longer it might take for the recovery once you find the right treatment. But there, there right. absolutely is always hope to have healing. Um, so, yeah, so I you found functional neurology. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to mention one more thing for the listeners who may be uh, financially challenged and think, oh, I can't afford that. Uh, I had to fly back and forth to New Orleans uh, maybe eight times, you know, with the clinical trial. There's anyone who's ever volunteered, there's there's pre and post things sometimes. And I wanted to give a shout out to Angel. Uh, there's a Angel Flights, I believe it's called, and they will help people who have medical appointments of any kind and that clinical trials qualify to get back and forth to the medical appointments if you meet financial criteria. So don't think, don't let finances be the one thing that says, Oh, I can't get a brain injury treatment. And uh, as far as functional neurology, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you to repeat that. That was angel flight. Angel flight. And it's a volunteer program where people with, Private planes can volunteer, but they also will buy people tickets on commercial flights. Oh, and it's wonderful. only for medical treatment. Only for medical treatment. And it's a Fantastic. great charity for donations as well. If you have means, you know, and you're not financially strapped and you're looking for a wonderful organization where all the money goes to the patients, that is one. 
And as awesome. far as a functional neurological disorder, I had never heard of it. Uh, the most appealing thing of it to me was they didn't care where the symptoms came from. My other specialists all fight over, well, these are caused by mast cell disorder. No, that's the gastro. No, no, these are caused by brain injury, the neurologist says. No, no, the infectious disease. She had Lyme disease once. They're caused by Lyme. FND doesn't care. Functional neurological disorder doctors just want to treat the symptoms, and they're not going to waste your time arguing over who's right. And they work as a team. There's, uh, I believe, five different types of treatments going on at the same time, so it's work. I'm not going to lie about that. There's homework, but you see progress. I'm seeing little bits of progress every week, and the whole team talks to each other every week. They send each other notes about every patient. So you're worked on as a team, by a team, instead of one doctor that you meet maybe quarterly for half an hour or an hour. These people you meet every week for a few months, and they all take a team approach with your notes about what they should do next week. And I can't say enough good things. It is uh, really opened my mind. I knew a lot about the brain before, but it's opened my mind to new things. Uh, one specific example is walking. Sometimes when I sit for 15, 20 minutes, when I get up, I have my old limp back. I can't walk normally. They have told me that that's a track in my brain. It's a neurological pathway, and we are working on jumping the track. So now when I stand up, I do something from the Hall of Fame of Silly Walks. Instead of walking normally, if I feel my left leg drag, I just get on my tiptoes like a ballerina. Suddenly I can walk normally. It was shocking to me. But your brain, I had no idea, has sort of become addicted to these old pathways of speaking mm -hmm. abnormally, walking abnormally. And that you can actually look at it like a train track and get that train to jump the track and do a normal movement or a normal speech pattern. I just had no idea. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. Yeah, and, and most and, people have no idea. I mean, you know, when you're when you're going to traditional doctors, which is where most of us start, because that's all we know, um, and they don't understand any of this, and they don't even offer to look into it to refer people, um, which is really yeah. frustrating. Um, so, you know, that's why it's so important that we do these podcasts and we, we talk about it and we share our resources. Um, you know, that's, and I think that's what keeps that us going. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a long waiting list that can be a deterrent, but again, just like the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, I want to tell listeners that it's worth it. I got on a two year waiting list to see the one functional neurologist that was available for the entire Boston hospital system that I am a member of. And I, and this is multiple major city hospitals, one functional neurologist, but it was worth getting on a two year waiting list because it's, I saw improvements after the first week of homework. And most yeah. functional neurologists for people of financial means they're in private practice. So you'd have to pay out of pocket to see the functional neurologist. 
So, Lynn, we are just about out of time, and I would love to wrap up by asking you, you know, if you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners, um, you know, words of hope and inspiration for them. Always. I wanted to give one shout-out to an organization that I work with in case there's anyone out there who uh, incurred a brain injury or any injury like me from a terrorist attack, uh, Strength to Strength is a wonderful volunteer organization that I work on a board with, and it's stosglobal.org, and it's been an endless source of support to me. My biggest takeaway is do not let anyone take away your hope. I don't care how many letters they have after their name and how many degrees they have. They have no right at all to tell you that you will not get any better. I don't care if it's been a year and a half or 10 years and a half. They have no right. They have no basis. They have no reason to take away your hope. That does absolutely no good for the patient or the doctor to take away someone's hope. What they should be saying to you instead of learn to live with it, you can't expect any improvement after one and a half to two years, they should be saying there's a lot of treatments out there, especially in clinical trials. You should go to clinicaltrials.gov and see if there's anything you might like for brain injury and check every few months because new ones pop up all the time. And that's the honest truth. There are new treatments for brain injury and all the side effects of it coming out all the time. There's no reason to give up hope ever. Yeah, wonderful advice. And so, Lynn, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure finally getting to chat with you, and I really appreciate that you taking the time to be here today with our listeners. Oh, it was such an honor, and it was uh, definitely wonderful to get to talk with you sort of live and in person and being able to advocate on the path of on behalf of brain injury just gives my life such a great sense of purpose so volunteering is another thing that i encourage listeners to do because it really makes you feel like you're something good is coming out of the bad thing that happened to you Awesome. Well, thank you again, Lynn. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another thank you to our sponsor, IntegratedBrainCenters.com, to schedule your free consultation with them. Again, you can find previous podcasts on most streaming platforms or at basesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also please join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.